Last week, we did the Hakdama to Oros, well, parts of the Hakdama to Oros HaTorah. And tonight, we're going to jump into the first, um, to the first chapter of Oros HaTorah and hopefully finish it. And uh, I want to just ask a question at the beginning, a rhetorical question, which is, what exactly is the goal of this work? What exactly is Rav Kook trying to do uh, with his writings over here? Understanding, like we talked about last week, the Ritzvi Huda is the one that compiled them uh, in, in his brilliance, uh, and turned it into its own safer. But I think the question is worth asking, what's the goal of this particular work? So I, I wrote down an answer for myself that I want to read to you guys, and I think it's true. The answer, I think, is from the Sikumim, from the chapter summaries that, uh, that are provided here by Rav Aviner in the commentary that I'm using. It seems like... Uh, it seems Sorry, what's, like what's the one called you're using? I'm using this, uh, this version is Oros HaTorah with Kuntras Pnimis HaTorah with the parish from Rishlomo Aviner. Just using it right now. And he writes, I think he says the following. It seems like the innovation over here. Many people have spoken about Torah uh, uh, or there's many Sfarim that are dedicated specifically to Torah. In fact, one of the ones that I think uh, can maybe be seen as a precursor to this kind of a work is a Sefer written by the brother of the Gra or the son of the Gra. I can't remember, called Malo Satora. Um, and Malo Satora comes to the base Medrash of the Gra, and indeed, many of Rav Kook's Torahs uh, devolve from teachings of the Gra. We're going to learn a teaching of the Gra tonight from Adaris Ilio, the Gra's commentary on the Torah. But it seems that there's many books that are speaking about the beauty of Torah and the importance of learning Torah. But what Rav Kook does is that he uses this special style of his writing, and he takes the known truths of Torah and presents them in a poetic form. And like much of Rav Kook's writing, the poesis, meaning the, the usage of flowery, difficult, what people would call flowery, uh, but very difficult and poetic language is sometimes the most criticized aspect all around of Rav Kook's writings. Uh, I happen to think that that itself is the chiddush, that itself is the big novelty of Rav Kook. Um, and I think that's a big mistake that people have when they read Rav Kook is that they'll is that they'll say, well, this is just Rav Kook taking a flight of fancy with his pen and writing in this beautiful poetic language. But I think that if we take Rav Kook's writing seriously, I, I'd imagine that the slower you read the words of Rav Kook, the more you recognize that each one of these flowery words and terms that Rav Kook uses in a language that's all his own and sui generis for rabbinic writing, I think, uh, actually has something to say and adds and, uh, and can be darshant in a sense, meaning that it's significant, the words that Rav Kook uses. And this most criticized aspect itself is the chiddush of it, the rewording of Torah for all generations with an eye for an aesthetic. And, uh, and, and none of these words, nothing that Rav Kook writes is, is reikon, is empty. I think that there is meaning in everything that he's saying. It's a prophetic utterance and a rendering of the wisdom of Torah and the, the, the point that he's trying to get across by a man who was filled with all of these qualities himself, that was living the ideals that are being described in these words. And Rav Kook, like we saw in the Hakdama, not, he's not writing because he wants to write, but he's writing because he can't not write. She'en koach lidom, there's no ability to remain silent. Uh, he puts these qualities on full display in this writing. And in that sense, it's like, uh, it's like the commentary on the first word of the Aser Sadebros. Anochi Hashem lokecha, is no trikan. We say it, that's Roshi Tevos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying, Ananafshi Ksiva Yehavis. I am writing myself into these words, that a person that studies Torah will know Hashem. And I think conversely, a person that studies the words of Rav Kook about knowing Torah will understand Rav Kook 
and how Rav Kook related to Torah and what that meant for an individual uh, like Rav Kook. So, so with that, with that small hakdama, let's get started. So, Perak Aleph, Piska Aleph. Torah Shabbat Anamikavlam Yidei Atzir Hayoter Elyon Vyoter Makiv Shavinish Maseinu. So Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat Per are going to form, or the dialectic between them, how they interact and how they relate to one another, are going to be the topic of discussion in this chapter. Torah Shabbat we receive through our most lofty uh, imaginations and imaginings of uh, of what of what our soul can possibly encompass. Meaning that that there's much of Torah Shabbat the written Torah Shabbat that we don't really have the ability to fully encompass while we're still in this world. Anamar Gishim Mikirva. And we touch upon Torah Shabbat including the words of all the Nevi'im, Nevi'im Rishonim, Nevi'im Achronim, and the Chsuvim. When we read the Torah Shabbat so we understand that there's a Klalius. We understand that it's speaking in general terms for all of humanity, not just for the Jewish people, and for all times, not just for the time that it was given, and that it's uh, in the most generalized in the most encompassing way, the Dvar Hashem, the Word of God, when it comes into contact with our world. Daim is a tough word. It means we glide with it on top of all logic, on top of all rationality and, uh, and wisdom. We feel the Spirit of God coming over us. And this could be felt tangibly if a person is, is, let's say you're davening really, really hard for somebody, Khalila, that's sick, and you really connect yourselves to the words of Tilim. So Tilim is, is a, I think, a particularly pregnant place in which we can feel this. It's loaded with that kind of feeling that we, we get a sense of us flying above the world. We get a sense of us elevating beyond. I think that we felt this also when we read Parshios in the beginning, the first six chapters of the Torah, in Parshas Bereshis or Parshas Noach, uh, when we talk about the development of the whole world and it's a mystery, wrapped in a mystery, and we don't understand exactly what is uh, being communicated, but we get a sense, especially with the Perushim that come afterwards, we get a sense that this is trying to encompass everything that we could possibly know about the universe and the world and, uh, and everything that we could possibly know about ourselves. It also elevates us above the logic and the, and the day-to-day mode in which we try uh, to merely go through life and Connecting to these words of Torah Shabbat is something that elevates us beyond that. And we feel the Ruach Elokim El Yon We feel the Spirit of God coming through these words. That's why um, it's difficult to say this because, because we're not used to studying words of Torah just directly without any perushim as rabbinic, as orthodox, as observant Jews with a Masorah. But if we were to just open up a Chumash or to just open up a Tanakh and read the words and try and translate every word carefully, we would certainly feel this as well, I think. The sense that there's something absolutely divine about the words that we're reading, something that it means connecting to a single Pasuk. I, mean, I did this a lot in our Shirim on Tillim, when, when just looking at a single Pasuk very, very carefully and, and not just running through it, but the Pasuk itself, without any sort of outside perush, the Pasuk itself contains, that's Nevoah, that's Devar Hashem, literal Devar Hashem on the page. We might not understand it at first glance, and we might need interpretation, but that's Devar Hashem. And Rav Kook says this is Torah Shebech it, it helps us glide above this world. Nogas ve'eno nogas. We, it, it touches us, but it doesn't truly touch us because it's so above us. It's mati it, velo mati in the language of the Zohar. We get there, but we're not quite there. Tasal osam be'ora. So the Torah, Shebech which has been the, 
which has been the book that all other commentaries that the Jewish people have produced, and I'm including this, the Mishnah and the Gemara and Midrash Chazal and Midrash Halacha and everything up to, you know, the latest Sefer from Kluger that was printed, all of this finds its basis, finds its basis in the Torah Shad Chasav. That's why I think one of the great, um, one of the great limudim that I got from, uh, from my Rebbeim was that one of the two, you, need, you need two sets of Sfarim when you learn Gemara, right? Gemara, as we know, is the sine qua non of, of Torah study. Gemara is the way that we dive into Hashem's Torah and, and has been for the Jewish people uh, since the destruction of Vayashani. Uh, and and, and what, what I think is, what he said is the most important is that you have a Shas Katan, that you have a small Shas so you can look at all the Gemaras in their places. Maybe in like the newest edition of Oz Vahadr, they already have that for you. But the second thing that you need is a Tanakh. And because every, almost every page of Gemara is going to show you piskos and drashos that are based on psukim in the Torah. And if you read the psukim in context and you know how they place themselves in Tanakh, whether it's Agadita, whether it's Halacha, then you get a sense of what the Gemara is actually doing. I think that there was an assumption by early Chazal that everybody that was learning Gemara uh, certainly knew uh, the Tanakh. Of course, there's a Gemara in Kiddushan that talks about that, that I learned with you guys when you were back in high school, right? It talks about uh, what should be the curriculum of study, Shlish, shlish uh, Mikra, Shlish Talmud, and, and, and we get the sense that Gemara encompasses all that, but that's only with the understanding that you understand the Tanakh that's underneath it. Sometimes we go backwards. We start with the Gemara and we work our way back through the Psukim, and we just take that Psukim without connection, and we lose the sense of Torah Shabbat that's Gnuza, that's hidden within the Torah Shabbat that we're reading. So we touch the Torah Shabbat, but we don't really fully encompass it. It encompasses us. Ha'or mavhik, the light illuminates, notzeitz v'choder bakol, it sparkles and it illuminates and it goes through and into everything of Torah Shabbat, tachas kol shamayim yishrehu. And everything underneath, everything in this world is filled or suffused, which is a word that's used in B'tzal Naor's translations. I love that word, not just infused, but suffused. Everything is suffused with Torah Shabbat. Meaning in Torah, its pristine form didn't truly come down to our level. And its stories and its personalities and its halachos still remain sometimes in an abstract form, no matter how much we learn it, no matter how much we study it, there's still a sense of something that lies beyond our seichel, lies beyond our kochos and oshios, our human capabilities and understandings. That's Torah Shebech Sab. Lo ruach ha'uma gadol zeruach elokim yotzer kol yatsra. And it wasn't the Jewish people that created Torah Shebech which seems like a rather obvious thing to say, but Rav Kook is going to make a very radical point over here. It's not, and, and he's going to drive. I mean, this first piska is, is a very radical piska, and I'll show you why. The Torah Shebech is not the product of the Jewish people. It's not the spirit of our culture and our people or our minds that created Torah Shebech or had anything really to do with it. Ruach Elokim Yotzer Kol Yatsra. Just like the world is created by Hashem, Torah Shebech Sav is created by Hashem. It's a world unto itself. And, and we have Lashonas like this in the Zohar, Estakel Baraisa Bara Alma. That even, uh, that even beforehand, you'll, you'll hear this in like an age seminar, the, the Torah is the blueprint for the world. And indeed it is. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu looked at the Torah and then created the world. That the Torah itself is a Yitzir Kapov, is the creation of Hashem's hand, just like Adam Arishon, and just like the world itself. And this Torah, this living Torah, 
is not only the blueprint for creation, but the sustaining force. And if you look in Tanya, forgot exactly where in Tanya, and maybe it's in the beginning of Shari Yichu Ve'amunah, where he says, uh, the Alter Rebbe quotes the Pasuk, La'ilam Hashem devar chanitzav v'shamayim. Hashem, your word is always uh, in the firmaments. And the understanding of that, that the Balatanya tries to, to bring out, is that we really have to take that Pasuk in, in a literal sense, that Hashem's word is what really sustains and keeps the skies from falling and the world from going back to Tov Avohu. Our continued study of Torah is a partnership in that process and in bringing the words of Hashem's Torah there and the sense that everything in the world finds its place and finds its purpose because the Torah sustains it, because because the Torah is the blueprint for creation. And, and, and this notion of Torah, Shebichsav, this is shaykh to everyone in the world, not just Jewish people, as us. It's not just the province of the Jewish people. We, we were the ones who know how to actually use it, or were charged how to use this Torah, how to live our lives specifically by it. And that's going to be the job of Torah Shabal Pet, to tell us how to use this Torah Shabal and how to interpret it and how to bring it down to our lives, which is what Rav Kook is about to talk about. But, but we recognize the truth of this statement because it, it, indeed there's, there's Christians and Muslims, there's a solid third of the world that finds their own religious sustenance based in, when you go to the deep, deep fundamentals, based in this particular Torah Shebechsav. Now, obviously, they added and changed and superseded in their own ways and, and venerated other books above the, the, the Old Testament or, or the Mosaic law. But I think that the proof is in the pudding of, of what a powerful spiritual document this was for all of humanity, not just for us, not just for the Jewish people. But Torah Shabal Peh, however, and when it comes to Torah Shabal Peh, Anu Yordin Kfar Now we find ourselves coming back to, back to earth, back to this world. That's what happens in Torah, that's what happens when we get to Torah Shabal Peh. And now, after discussing the elevated and lofty status of Torah Shabal the privileged status of Torah Shabal Rav Kook is going to contrast that with the Torah Shabal Peh. And, and I think a question that you should ask yourself, I'm not going to delve into right now, is what exactly does it mean when I say or when Rav Kook says the Torah comes down to life? Meaning, an easy way to interpret that would mean, oh, day-to-day life, day-to-day existence, I know the halachas of Natilas Yadayim, I know the halachas of Tefillah, I know the halachas of Shabbos, uh, and all those things, but in truth... In truth, I think that it's a much more encompassing thing. It's not just talking about where we come in contact with halacha, hi Julian. It's not just talking about where we come in contact with halacha, but I think in everything, that the Torah doesn't just teach us halacha, and Torah Shabbat Ped doesn't just teach us halacha, but it also brings down the hashkaf of the Torah, the way in which a person who is living their life according to Torah Shabbat should live it, uh, based on the words of Chazal and the interpretations in the Meso- of the Bali Mesora. So that's an important question to ask as well. So, we come back down to earth, we come back down to this world. We feel. We find that we're receiving the light of God, the divine light of Torah. We're receiving it through the second pipe in our soul. That if you were to imagine, our soul is two pipes. I drew a picture of it, if you could see, right? So, so imagine, this is very crude, and we shouldn't really depict these things in images, but over here, let's say that that's our soul. So the pipe that comes from the top down, so that's going to be Torah Shebechsav. The pipe that comes from the bottom up, that's going to be Torah Shebaal Peh. It's going to be received through a different, uh, from a different way. And there's statements in Psukim like this, Emes Meretz Titzmach, that if you live your life, you're not just going to see Torah 
if you live your life according to this, you're not just going to see Torah coming down from above in this lofty, spiritualized, abstract sense, but you're going to see the Torah coming up from the ground, coming from the bottom up and infusing every aspect of our lives with its, uh, with, with, with its guidance and with its light. It's not for naught, by the way, that Rav Cook chose the metaphor of light, uh, the idea of light as the metaphor for, for Torah, Orasa Torah, Orasa Tshuva, and Rav Kook does write about this, that or is the most, um, or, or is the metaphor because the metaphor, the metaphor, or, to, or light is the metaphor because it's something that's tangible, right? I can't grab light. I could barely measure it, but, but I know it's there. And, and I use the light and I'm able to, I, I live through that light. I'm talking about physical light right now. So what better metaphor of something that's in this world, but not quite in this world to use for talking about Torah. So he says, we find this. We receive through a different pipe, a different valve in our souls. With the pipe and the valve that comes closer to practical living. How, how do you live in this world? How do you make a life in this world uh, and a happy life, hopefully, in this world, a meaningful life, a life that adds to the world and doesn't detract or just simply take away from it? Or in the words of the Kamarna Rebbe, that we're not just an ishmashchis, that we're not just somebody going around and just taking and destroying and wasting, but that we're building. And Torah Shabal Pet tells us how to go ahead and do that. Anu chashim, we feel, sheruach ha'uma, the soul of the nation, the spirit of the Jewish people. It's talking about our culture, who we are as people, as individuals, and as a klal. Hakshurak sheshal heves begacheles be'or Torah's emes. We are connected to the Torah like a flame is connected to the coal. Keshal heves begacheles be'or Torah's emes. Meaning that the Torah contains the story of who we want to be as a people. Higarma ba'ofiyam yuchad she'torsh ba'penotzeres b'tzurasam yuchada. Now, Rav Kook is saying over here is a, a rather dangerous statement because we have from the very beginning of the Maskilim a sort of positive historical view of Jewish history, that Jewish history in the Torah changes based on the people. And what Rav Kook is saying, which is a kfira idea because it says that the Torah is not independent of the people and that Torah Shavapeh or Torah Shavichsav is, is essentially a human creation and thus fungible, something that can change with us and change the times. Rav Kook is basically hijacking that language to say that indeed Torah Shavapeh, the ofi, the nature of Torah Shavapeh, when I read Gemara, I'm reading the statements and understandings and lives and, 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 and interpretations with Rocha HaKodesh, with Rocha HaKodesh, but of Jews that lived in, in, in the Galil and in Bavel from the, from the first century to the seventh century. And then when I read the works of Geonim, the works of the Geonim are, are, are going to be colored and they're going to be a creation, not a full-blown creation, but they're going to be uh, something that comes out of people that lived in Bavel in subsequent centuries. And Rishonim, that, again, in Chachmei Provence and, and, and Ashkenaz, it's going to be a, a product of them, the same way that the Torah you learn and the Torah that's developed now is a product of the culture of the Jewish people, a product of who we have developed as, as individuals in the world that we live in. And that Torah Shabbat is going to be a reflection of that. So we caused, we caused the nature, we caused the way in which Torah Shabbat looks. Vada, he says, Rav Kook then draws right back and he says, Vada, Kluli, Torah, Sachayim, Azos, Torah, Hashem. For sure, for sure, for sure, this Torah is Ha'adam. 
this human Torah, this Torah Shabbat Peh, this Torah that comes up from the ground, this Torah that's forged or shaped by the Jewish people, for sure that's included in the Torah Sashem, in the Torah Shabbat that we were talking about before. Torah Sashem Yigamhi. The Torah that we create, that the Jewish people uh, craft and becomes a part of us, is indeed included in this Torah Shebichsav also. Is indeed included in that Torah that, that is high above everything that's coming down from that different pipe, from the Tzinor HaElyon into our lives. It's included in all that. However, the the open eye, or the, the great vision of Tzofeb Aspaklaria Now I want to test you guys for a second. If I'm understanding Rav Kook, that every word is a significant word, who is Rav Kook talking about when he uses this word, these three words, Tzofeb Aspaklaria Meira? Who's he talking about? Because he'll only be talking about one person. It's Moshe Rabbeinu. It's, is that what you said, Jake? Moshe Rabbeinu. I cut you off. That's, uh, that's my bad, right? It's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, we know, has a qualitatively different nevuah. Ramchal talks about this in Darach Hashem. Rambam talks about this in Chasteus, right? That he has very uh, qualitatively different status in nevuah than all other prophets. The Moshe Rabbeinu is Tzofeb Aspaklar Meir. He sees God clearly. Panam upanam dibra imelokim. That Moshe Rabbeinu speaks face to face and that every other prophet sees HaKadosh Baruch Hu b'mara b'chida. In, in, in riddle or in visions, Moshe Rabbeinu saw Hashem, saw what Rav Kook described as the Torah Shabbat which is above us, that our Seichel can't encompass. There was one human being that was able to encompass that. And that was Moshe Rabbeinu. That's Tzofe Bas Baklare Meira. Person who saw through the crystal glass. Hanaman, Bechol Beis Hashem, who is trusted, trustworthy, Moshe Avdi, Moshe Avdi, Nema Mechobe Hashem, who is trustworthy in every, in every room of Hashem's Torah and of Hashem's, of the lofty region, of the lofty realms in which Hashem's Shechina dwells. Lo A true holy man of God, right, knows God's world as well. Moshe Rabbeinu, besides knowing Hashem face to face, Moshe knew our world face to face. And therefore Moshe was the person, if we go back to our diagram before, Moshe Rabbeinu is the individual that's right in the middle. Right? Neshama HaKoleles. Moshe Rabbeinu is the neshama that can include Torah coming from above and Torah coming from below and can understand how that diffuses to every single Jewish person for all of history and gives us the Torah and thus the Torah is given through him. Gam HaKol Nemar so like the Gemara says in Meseches Megillah, that anything that's going to be said from, from our Chabura to any Shi'ur that was ever given to, to, every, to the Batei Medrash and Surah and Pumpadisa, to Kamenitz, to, to, to the Mir, to everywhere, everything that is said about Torah was already told to Moshe Rabbeinu and Harsinei. And I think Rav Kook is saying this in the most expansive way possible. It's not exactly that Kodesh Baruch Hu told uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, certainly didn't say my shirim, but it's not, that, it's not that that was said at Harsinei. But what was said at Harsinei was the words that caused, and I think that this is maybe a more rationalistic interpretation. If you want to go for the expansive interpretation, Hashem literally said every single thing to Moshe that was ever said in every shir Torah, it's possible also, it doesn't, I don't necessarily have to negate that belief, but it, to be makariv to the seichel, to be makariv a little bit to our understanding of this is like almost thinking like a mushel of a popcorn, right? The kernel, the, the popcorn is all inside the kernel, it just needs to be expressed. The, the kernel contains everything that needs to turn into the popcorn, right? It's all there. So the same thing is included in what was given to the Jewish people 
at Har Sinai. And I think that this uh, helps answer one of the questions that people ask when they first start learning uh, Pirkei Avos, really the first thing they hear in any sort of Pirkei Avos here, which is essentially, why does it say Mi Sinai and not Bis Sinai? I, I just want to see, how am I doing on time? What time is it right now? Almost 10.30, it's like 10.26. 10.26? 27. All right, maybe I was too ambitious, or maybe, and I'll ask you guys offline if I'm, if I'm expounding too much, but I want to say this point, right? So everybody says, the Torah is given at Har Sinai, not from Har Sinai. Har Sinai didn't give the Torah. So I want to give you my interpretation and what I think Rav Kook is saying over here with this, with using this Gemara Megillah of meaning everything in Torah Shabal Peh, which is a product of the Jewish people as a people throughout history, is connected and, and ensconced and encompassed by the Torah Shabbat has to be. So I, I think connected to this last line, it's Vade, a Torah's Adam, right? Torah Shabbat is for sure our Torah, but it's also Namra Lomosh Sinai. That's why you said Mi Sinai and not Bis Sinai, meaning the latter would almost be a lie. Torah wasn't just said, uh, Torah wasn't just given to Moshe at Bis Sinai because then that would contradict the Gemara. The, the Gemara says the Torah we're learning here in New York is still a product of what was given at Har Sinai. So the Mi-Sinai, I think, implies and includes and at the inexorable conclusion that Matan Torah was a reflection of the people in unison saying Na'asav and Nishma, Amru Ke'echad, it's a unison saying we accept the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We accept the will of the person, of, of the, not the person, we accept the will of, of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that, that, that gave us this world and gave us Torah Shebuch And that we're going to fulfill the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu which is obviously the goal and a taste of the world to come where it's really going to be the messianic ideal. At the end of history, we're going to have the same thing. The same way we were the end of history will also be the language we use for is and that will bring the revelation of Mashiach or that will be the product of the revelation of Mashiach. So then we say that, that, that this notion, the power of a group of people ready to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in their best way possible as human beings in this world means that there was Mamela, a Giloi of Ratzon Hashem in the clearest form possible, which we call Torah Shebech Clearest form possible. Leave over the side of your field. Pay your workers on time. Ratzon Hashem. Give this sacrifice on this particular holiday. Keep the Shabbos. Build the Mishkan. All of these things were the Ratz and Hashem that was revealed to the Jewish people when they said Nasim Nishma, and they showed that we, as a unified people, with a special segula, with a special quality that comes to us from the Avos, or even from before creation, we want to accept that Torah, so we got it in the Torah Shbichsav. That was the Giloi. And th- that was the divine response to our, our decision to fulfill Hashem's world, word. And the essence of the Brit, the essence of the covenant at Har Sinai was the following. HaKadosh Baruch Hu basically says, here, do your best with this, and all your problems and limitations as human beings and as a people will end. You do it perfectly, and, and you'll bring Mashiach. And he says that um, not just for you, but radically, this is also for the entire world as possible. And I'm going to editorialize a second. I wrote, I said that you must take ownership of this Torah and master it and accept the immense responsibility as Jewish people for all of humanity. This is where we get the klalius of this notion of Torah Shebichsav and Torah Shebaopeh. Meaning that this notion of being an orla goyim, right, which is too bad that this term along with the term tikkun olam are just like tossed about and they become cliche. And I think that Shlomo Emune Yisrael 
uh, forget the significance of these words, of Cook didn't, uh, but the significance of what it means to be an Orla Goyim and what Tikkun Ola means, I think it's a tragedy actually that these become, because they've been so co-opted and so twisted or taken out of uh, their context that we, that we as, uh, as, as, as people who learn Torah and Shlom Emuni Yisrael, so we sort of put that on the side or ignore it a little bit or the significance of the mission contained in those words. But that's the goal. Every failing of sorts you see in Jews or in their communities, uh, any failures as Jews, uh, all that thing is due to some misunderstanding I think of these concepts and I think that you understand if you understand that this statement of was it's all coming from Har Sinai not Sinai it didn't stop there it's an ongoing revelation in Torah's Chaim then we understand exactly what it's really charging us in the world the words really really live with us we'll finish one more uh, line and uh, that will be it for tonight Bezras Hashem Shnei Orim Halalu these two great lights of Torah Shebechtav and Torah Shebalpeh, Osim Olam Shalim, create the entire world or make an entire world, Sheshamayim Varetz Yishk Betocha, that heaven and earth, in the language of the Zohar, heaven and earth connect and kiss each other and we get kissed by a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Yashkeinim in Yashikos Pihu. The Kaddish Baruch Hu kisses us with divine kisses when we study Torah. And uh, I would say, hopefully, in the discourse of our learning about Torah and understanding and using the words of Kuk, hopefully this is purpose-driven, not just to intellectualize or to translate what Kuk is saying, but to use it, to actually act on it, and to think about this when you learn a Daf Gemara, when you learn a Mishnah Bura, when you learn a Maimer Chasidus. So when you do that, so then we understand that, that we're getting kissed by a Kaddish Baruch Hu and we're doing the best to connect the two pipes in our souls uh, and to connect ourselves with Shamayim, with the thing that's above our life, and hopefully can allow us to truly, truly feel uh, uh, the Nishika Stodim, the kiss of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the Chut Shel Chesed, the Chut Shel Chesed, uh, that, that should be Mashuch on, on all of you, on all of us, the, the, the divine love and divine Chesed that comes down on all of us. So in Bezrus Hashem Yisbarach, next week we'll, uh, I have a little bit less to say on the next two Piskos, but next week we'll finish chapter one. I went a little bit slower than I expected, but I just want to thank all of you guys for